0: Yo, yo, yo. What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. I'm your host, the one, the only, the debonair, Avery Lewis McDougall. Ooh, that's I'm McDougall. some guy. <laughs> <laughs> yo, look this guy spoils my intro. This guy spoils the intro on me. Uh, I'm Mike Dangle. <laughs> Mike Dangle. Yes, Mike Dangle. Actually, no, this is longtime friend of... Avery sports show the Brian Avery hour it is Mr. Mike Wilson someone who I've known for a long time in sports media he's been my co-host on different projects you can follow him on Twitter at kid underscore Atlantis as we're here talking to you tonight about the Oilers 6-5 win on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks Ooh, we Mike wasn't that exciting
1: that was, uh, it was quite the game. Um, a bit a bit too exciting for, for my taste. But, you know, if you're a neutral fan, uh, you, got, you got a lot out of it, except for, you know, a bit, uh, all the penalties kind of, it ruins the flow of the game. It's tough. <laughs> you want to see, sc- well, see scoring chances, but that's a rough way to do it.
0: Right. It was a game in which we saw 17 combined uh, power plays, 10 for Chicago, 10. And if you're both teams, the momentum was taken away. If you're Chicago- and if you're Edmonton, it sucks to have a lack of flow. We saw very little 5-on-5 play. And you tweeted out earlier during the game, I think it was a certain at a point in the second period where there was 437 of 5-on-5 play. Yeah, it finished times. at 456. Of- uh, 456.
1: 456. If you want context, the first period had 16 minutes of 5-on-5 play and 12-15 in a still penalty-heavy third period. So, yeah, that was a slog of a second period.
0: No, that was that was a, a bona fide ref show, as our friend Lotte called it. Like that was a game, like that's the kind of game in which, yes, it was a game that saw eleven goals, but no one goes to a game to watch officials call a game that tight. It was ridiculous at times, Mike.
1: No, and it's like I'm not someone who likes to talk about the refs too much. Um, I think it's bad analysis. A lot of people get caught up to in it, uh, too caught up into it. You no, know, I want to see the players play and, and evaluate that way. But you know, they make it tough, especially on some you know, pretty meaningful plays in the game.
0: No, it's very true. And we saw the game with the the officiating. An example that was just shocking to me was the Evander Kane goal, no goal, in which Kane's at the front of the net. He's pushed into Al Stalock by Caleb Jones. And then the official at, at the front of the net, signals goal, signals goal. And then the officials say it's no goal. And they review it, they look at it. And they say it's no goal. Like, that is, to me, if you're the NHL, you can't have an official pointing right there at the front of the net goal, have that rule a no goal. And then when they play with the, where if, there was no clear interference, have that rule no goal. Like, I don't understand. It doesn't matter what team you're watching, it doesn't matter think if it's Adventure oh. Chicago. That was a bad call. Go ahead,
1: yeah, I think it I think the problem started a bit earlier than that too. Uh, mm. I don't know what the exact time is, but I know it was either in the first or early in the second. Marcus Neiman-Leinen got a penalty for interference, fighting in front of the net. And I think that's fine. Interference is a frustrating one, especially, you know, when you're someone who watches a lot of Connor McDavid, he dumps the puck in and immediately gets mugged by one or usually two guys. And, you know, rarely do you get a call for interference there. So you go, okay, fine. You know what? It was away from the play, they're fighting away from the puck. Marcus Niemelin is a strong guy, but he knocked him over, and that's fine. Um, you get a penalty for interference there. Okay. Then you get uh, an interesting call later in the game where Evander Kane is fighting in front of the net. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Connor Murphy gives him a cross check in the back. Um, there's no call there. That's not established as, you know, you establish with the Nima line penalty. You don't want that kind of rough stuff in front of the net. So, Okay. Evander Kane doesn't get the call. There goes and you know cross checks Connor Murphy back. I don't know if that's the that's not the smart thing to do. I'm not condoning Evander Kane do that, especially the second one. Um, You get the first one in, you see the penalty. You know, cut your losses maybe um, uh, and take the four minute penalty. That one that one really that one really didn't make a lot of sense. And then so you're Evander Kane. You're on top of mind for the refs because you already take a double minor. And then you get this call where, you know, Evander Kane is pushed into the goaltender outside of the paint. Alex Daylock, you know, goes down. Evander Kane's not trying to get out of the way by any means or getting up fast. You know, why Why would he? Um, Alex Daylock gets up, reestablishes positioning without a stick, makes the save on Darnell Nurse, and the uh, puck bounces right back to Kane, who scores. Um, the problem isn't that they called it a goal, like the ref right there called it a goal. The refs are allowed to meet up um, you know, make make you know conference and and reestablish what the call on the ice is. That's fine. I just don't understand how you can look back at that and then deem that that goal shouldn't have counted. Um, it just it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the goalie might have been down and out, but one he was pushed, and two he established positioning. Um, I think it just opens up to you know in in what scoring chances the defenseman supposed to just like push a guy into his old goaltender thinking. You know where he's immune now and and because the goaltender has been touched you know a goal can't go in i think it's just a bit of shaky reasoning um and when we're talking about inconsistency of calls and, and how the league wants and how it impacts the product for me it always goes down to um you know like it or not a lot of revenue around the league and a lot of content is is gambling now um and if you're advertising a game um that you want people to bet on you quantum you want those results to be a bit reliable and you don't want to think are the refs going to take it into control over time or are they going to make calls that align with the rule book
0: yeah i agree and uh, and for those in the background you can hear yeah Avery Stall for a second
1: i'm going to go take care take care of the dog i'll be right back
0: yeah (laughs) i think that's the first time on maybe it's happened on the steve dangle podcast where iggy interrupted steve on the show but yeah so, Mike and his girlfriend have a dog who barks somewhat, but not this much. So, Mike will be taking care of his dog. That's a fan of the first. They have a dog interrupt the show. And you know what? You know what, a- Sorry, Alma
1: talk. was really fired up about that call, too. Oh, I can imagine. As she should have been. No, she she been. been. As she should um, have been. As she should have been. But, you know, uh, the Oilers they made it count on the power play. They got, I think they were three for seven Mm -hmm. on the power play, which is a pretty good percentage. You know, I I think in most games where a lot of the play is not going to be five on five, that still benefits the Oilers. I think they have a lot to do uh, on the penalty kill too. I Mm -hmm. really wasn't impressed with that and haven't been this year. I think it's a bit, you know, Dennis King uh, on Twitter put it as lazy. And, and I think, I don't know if that's You know, the plan is, but they're really not aggressive. They're not getting out. They're not skating. And it's frustrating because there's a lot of good skaters uh, that they trust a penalty kill. And I think, you know, if you let them pressure a bit more, you get better numbers. They had one kill at the start of the third period where I thought they pressured a lot more and it was really hard for Chicago to gain control. But when you're just going to let them, you know, pass the puck around and and watch them, you know, they have enough skilled players in Kane and Taves that they're going to make you pay.
0: No, I totally agree with that. You mentioned the penalty kill and penalties. You know, a guy who I thought, again, rookie player he'll develop more was Dylan Holloway. He took two penalties. You could see, once again, that to an extent, Holloway struggled there in that game. And the game speed is going to come to him, but you saw he put himself in a situation where he took two penalties. And I think it really comes to where he has to learn, again, keeping up with the play and not taking those penalties. But you're right. In general, though, the penalty kill to start the year, it's been very mid-tier. It should be better. And this team can't rely too much on the power play to be able to out of trouble um, as the season goes deeper, Mike.
1: No, because you you get these games where, you know, the refs will call everything. Mm -hmm. You you know, you get mad at the refs for a lot of inconsistent things. I think a lot of the calls that were made were blatant penalties and lazy penalties. Um, And you're going to have games later or in the playoffs or wherever where, you know, the refs aren't going to call anything. And, and, you know, you got to figure out a way to score five on five. I think the Oilers have been five five on five. They still carried the play in this game. possession wise. So, so I'm not worried about that at all. Um, they did it again against St. Louis last night too. I don't, I'm not worried about where the team is five on five, but I would like to see the penalty kill improve or be a bit more aggressive on Dylan Holloway. Um, it's, it's tough. You know, you, you can't take two penalties like that, No, but again, not overly long term worried. He had a good shift in the third period where, you know, he really used his legs and he's, he's a really good skater. So you want to see more of that less taking the penalties, but uh, it's early in the year. It's his first year. You're getting acclimated to the league. Um, I don't think it's a red flag or anything.
0: No, exactly because what he's now played in what three games that matter. So yeah, a rookie, rookie player, and he said to me in locker room, I interviewed him for the hockey news, how he wants to traumatize his speed more, keep up with the pace. So if if anyone is worried by Dylan Holloway right now, don't be. Do not get worried. Do please don't sound a red flag. Of the guy who played in his third game in the NHL level.
1: He's no way right. to panic and he's just coming way. off of missing time with a concussion. Um, not, not a lot of, not a big sample to evaluate him on. I thought um, he, he just did a, he did have a flash of what you're looking for from him. So I'll no, take
0: that. exactly. No, he is a guy where when he gets a little bit more experience in this league, he is going to be a solid top six forward on his Edmonton roster. And Mike, you mentioned sports gambling earlier, so you know what I'm going to say. It's time for an Addery. Want a bet? Gamble,
1: gamble. <laughs> Gamble gamble gamble, <laughs> gamble, 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 gamble. What do I got
0: to deal with here? Where are they gambling, Avery? You got like, to deal with the sarcastic, the sarcastic. Where are we play? gambling?
1: Tell Where are us. we gambling? I'll party?
0: tell you in a second. I'll let you know. I will let you know, Mister Wilson. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sports book. Football continues. The World Series is around the corner, and you dropped the puck on the hockey season. now we bet did. pregame, live in play. Or on one of our many prop bets.
1: Maybe Canadian... Avery is wearing. I can't see him on this call. YouTube comments. Is he wearing a fedora? <laughs> There's good odds on that. <laughs>
0: Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all, all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sports interaction. Dot com slash SDPA on tell them everything, <laughs> Ontario only got to be 19. Plus. And that's what you do, kids. That is how Thanks you do it. Thanks for
1: lovely sponsors.
0: That is how you do it. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, again, Carter McDavid, he's <laughs> he right. Great way of putting it, another hat trick 12 for his career. And I said it last time on the show, Mike. I said it yesterday. I still feel we have not seen the peak of Connor McDavid. I just don't think we're there yet. I, I mean, he's,
1: 20, he's 25. Like, I think we're getting pretty close to the peak. Close. As far as like, athletic priming goes. I don't know what else you're looking for. I, this is the guy, remember,
0: I said, on, I, I said on the show last night, this is the guy where I thought the peak was a couple of years ago, and then the man went and had 105 points in less than 60 games. Like, he keeps on surprising all of us. I really think that he's going to have a 50 goal season this year.
1: I mean, I don't think a 50-goal season would be a surprise. He came into the saying, you know, I want to shoot more. I want to score more goals. Uh, I think he's showing that. I think we all knew, hey, man, I bet if you shot more, you could score more goals. And he was like, oh, yeah, I bet you're right. And and we're seeing it. Um, poor, poor Jake McCabe never had a chance. And it's so funny because you're normally – you normally see McDavid beat guys off the rush. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they blow a tire. He, they just can't get their hips around fast enough. But this one is just in space, stationary, just has the puck on a string, walks around him, puts it five hole on Alex Staloc. Um, It was a thing of beauty.
0: Like, this is the kind of guy in which, if I know we're only in October. It's a young season, but man, it's going to be tough to not make him the MVP when a season is said and done, Mike. It's going to be tough to vote against him, I feel, come the summertime.
1: I'm always mad about voter fatigue. Um, I I don't I don't understand it. I know I don't get people being sick of watching you know star players be good year in year mm-hmm. out. I think I think if McDavid, you know, does everything that everyone expects him to do, or or you know exceeds expectations as he as he can show that he can do somehow. Still, um, it's it's pretty it should be pretty easy to give him that award. I'm not saying that you know he's lost it. Uh, in recently in years he should have had it i think austin matthews was fully deserving last year um Anyways, but yes with the year he started i don't think you need to to get too mixed up and, and find some new names i think i think connor mcdavid is as good as everyone knows he is and and should get rewarded as such
0: no of course and i i agree with that the the voter fatigue thing i just don't get it though how do you not want to honor greatness no matter if it's a mcdavid a dry a matthews if a guy goes out and has a 124 point year a 60 goal campaign and if he's won it before three or four times that shouldn't matter if he's the best player in the league he's the best player in the league it shouldn't matter how many times he voted for the guy
1: yeah no i mean we're we're being so positive it was a 6-5 win what are we mad at what
0: are we we went over it the fact that there was the the fact that there were 10 power plays for chicago like that cannot happen every night that Even if it cannot happen, about five on
1: five though, I think the D the D is still not good enough.
0: No, there were there were there were certain plays in which D was. oof, I mean, you have to see you goal. That was a little play was like, ah, oh, god. You
1: no. know what? That was that was that's. I, I love that goal. Um, <laughs> watching it, watching it again, looking back, because Darnell Nurse is in no man's land. And I think the problem with him is he's a good player. He's got good offensive yes. instincts, but he just gets lost sometimes. And especially when, you know, he's scoring goals, you know, almost got, you know, had that assist uh the pauly goal yesterday with a good shot. Uh, I think he just tries to do a bit too much. Gets caught in the O-zone, and then there's just no one back there to stop Andreas Athanasiu, who is, he's fast, but um, you should have two D-men back there. And my favorite thing about that is that was the only uh, five on five Corsi event against Darnell Nurse in that period. It was 10 to one. The only shot attempt, um, when he was on the ice that period was that goal where he was just in no man's land. And a lot of people get frustrated at Darnell Nurse and rightly so because he makes those kind of mistakes. And you know, you don't want that of your $9.3 million D man. Um, but overall, he's had a pretty good year. And it's just one of those plays where you know it looks bad, but if you look at the overall play, he has been really good now their defensive play as a whole still not good enough they were outchanced i think 7 to 1 uh, uh yeah in the game high danger uh despite you know controlling most of the play um and that's another reason why if you go even further to you know, the problem with giving up five goals in Jack Campbell. I don't think Jack Campbell had a great game. I don't think he's had a great start, but I don't think he had a chance on a lot of them. And I'm not saying that like wave away the goals, you know, you know, you know, we don't have to worry about that one. I'm just saying the Oilers gave up, I think 4.7 expected goals against and allowed five. So that's about par for the course. Now, Stuart Skinner went out yesterday and saved two, two to two and a half more uh, goals than expected, um, which was, you know, insane and, and you love to get that from your backup. I don't think there's a goalie controversy here. Uh I just I just don't want uh you know, I'm just not gonna put the blame on Ken Cam, uh Campbell. I just think the DS to be a bit more, you know, aware of
0: no, what doing I ways. totally I totally agree with that. There is not a goalie controversy, but I, I agree. We saw again, again St. Louis, they were a lot of high danger chances that Skinner had to make saves on. And I know it's early, but you can't go into November, December, January, given that many chances inside five feet against elite teams you can't do that and it's gonna have to be improved and you see a guy like darnell nurse so i i love darnell nurse i know you know what i will never be mad against a brother making money i'll never <laughs> be mad no. get about, about a brother making nine million dollars well, no and, I, and I, know.
1: I, think, I think a lot of the blame on that is like um poorly placed on nurse like if, mm-hmm. i mean if someone's gonna offer you that contract you got to take it. Yeah. But also if you look at who, who is to blame it's, it's management for giving him two bridge deals. Mm -hmm. You know, they had multiple times where they could have given him a long-term extension. When we were looking at like, Oh, well maybe he'll get the Josh Morrissey, like, you know, uh, eight times six and a half. Um, but they decided to sign Alex chase on to a two year, $2.1 million deal. And that ate up the money. Um, so they had to bridge him and then they bridged him again at five. And, you know, he came calling and said, okay, well, it's, it's time to pay me. You bridged me twice and yep, you can't let him leave with Oster Kleffbaum gone and uh him being s- such a big part of your core. You kind of got put over a barrel. And and I'm not saying that's and that's that's directly management's fault that they were in that position in the first place.
0: Uh like that's just a, the common theme of the orlers and contracts and management and handling D-Man, like it's just the common theme that just keeps on replaying over and over and over again after it's Chirelli or taking the can down
1: the road and not planning, right? <laughs> it's it's the same it's the same thing this year where they have to play you know with 20 players on the roster um and you have you know a non-zero amount of cap space being taken up by matthias yanmark who was not a guy they needed to have who makes above um variable money so his you know he's just starting to play in the ahl but he's still making money and you know, if you're going to say we we're going to sign him and give him that money, the expectation of trading away pooley um, that's just bad business because pooley is a much better hockey player.
0: No, he really is. You mentioned Matthias Yanmark, Like, that's the kind of guy, like, I didn't mind him in Vegas, but you didn't need him on this roster here. He wasn't needed. And to have him sit yeah. in Bakersfield, it was a waste of a deal to have him playing in AHL. And again, you mentioned there the idea of trading pooley Like, I, I'm just frustrated. It just frustrates me how... So many pe- uh, people, again, don't see the value in Yes. I mean, sure, have there been some games where he hasn't been, where, you know, he has struggled? Sure. But as I said before, he's still your best defensive forward away from the puck. He's still, he still contributes quite a bit defensively. Like, And the idea yeah, that and- this roster is better with him away from this team, like, I don't get that. I really don't.
1: It makes no sense. His line's been dominant. That uh, McLeod Fogel, Polyarby line. Amazing line. Great. Oh, um, my gosh. And, and, you're, and, you know, you're not going to give them. Uh, too much because you know they're a third line playing third line minutes but at five on five they were they, had, they were seven to one for Corsi uh as a line together played seven twenty five on five uh the one thing with those guys that really uh puzzled me mm. was with all that time on the PK you know you talked in training camp they were saying Warren Fogle you know they want to give him some penalty kill time and yes he pulled Harvey you know we think he's the best um you know, defensive player on the team, which, which I would agree, both of those guys, uh, were the only two forwards besides Dylan Holloway, not to receive time on the PK. Um, I get that you have guys ahead of them, but you know, I don't think Evander Kane should have a minute 15. That guy's a disaster defensively. I get putting him out there with a few seconds left, um, to try to get, you know, offensive pressure right away. But I just think you could use guys like, Holloway, Pugliar, or not, sorry, well, Holloway eventually, uh, but yes. Pugliarvi and Fogel uh, on the PK to keep them a bit more involved in the game because they've been doing really well.
0: No, they have been, they have been. And you know what, well, I'm going to go through some of the comments here because, you know, I wasn't able to track that talking to you and talking to the people here. And-
1: <laughs> yeah, with, well, I want to, to say hi, Taylor. Hope you're listening.
0: Yes, hopefully Taylor is listening, our, our buddy Taylor, and there's a comment here. Oh, he's, is it, he's
1: it's going to the podcast tomorrow, so.
0: Right. Oh, hang on, hang on. Am I, is it Taylor here? There's someone here no. saying... Oh, there's someone here that was saying... Oh, there okay. might be a different Taylor. Oh, okay. Oh, no, it's Zeke. Zeke K? Hi, Mike. You're cute. Wow, Mike's got, a, Mike's got some fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: That one's okay. not for the podcast listeners.
0: Well, hey, the ones watching one video probably appreciate that. Wow, no one's ever called me cute on a podcast before. That's crazy.
1: Avery, I think you're cute. How about that? <laughs> Anyone sound off in the comments, tell Avery that he's cute.
0: Wow, that, <laughs> that is funny. Also, Travis, I can't see him
1: right now, so but but I trust that that you're looking Oh, No, you know what
0: you good. know I gotta be on point. The suit's looking good, the hat's looking good. Always, always, sir. Mm-hmm. I see like, other comments here. Uh, Travis Sautner, McDavid's on pace for twenty hat tricks this year. You know, if I were, say he does it. <laughs> if there were any other player in the league, Mike, any other player. I would say not a chance. But Karn McDavid, that's entirely plausible.
1: Yeah, he's going he's going for Gretzky's record. You know?
0: <laughs> it is entirely plausible for Carnegie McDavid to do something like that and, they, and there's a lot of comments here. There's just a there's a lot of comments on the officiating and I just looked at that and another thing, Mike with the
1: officiating. That? You know what I thought I f I've I've said it before uh, I'm, I'm before sorry, the- I will say go ahead, you know, Mike, it's here. fun to have Uh, a game where you have problems with the officiating and it costs you directly on the scoreboard, but you win, you win in regulation, you get to move on. You know, if this was a game they blew, um, it would feel a lot worse. And and obviously we'd be a bit more fired up towards the officials when the Oilers are up five, four, uh, with four minutes left in the game. I was watching this and be like, okay, I really want to judge this team on how they close the game. Um, you know, you're finally playing some five on five minutes. You have a one goal lead. You're playing a not great team. And I know Chicago has been a bit hot this year, but they're not, they're not a good team. And everyone knows that um, the Oilers as a good team should be able to shut this down, get out of here with a win. And they, they were not able to shut it down, but they were able to get a win on a play that I really want to highlight um, because Go it was ahead. a really good steal in the slot for Kyler Yamamoto took the puck, gave it to Kane, cross ice to sidle for the game-winning goal. And what I loved so much about that is that was the play from Yamamoto that got him in the top six in the first place. Back in 2019, 2020, before the pandemic, there was that magical dry Nuge-Yamamoto line. And what made that line work was the forechecking and Nuge and Yamamoto going on the board, stealing pucks and putting it on a tee for sidle. Like that's how it worked. And we saw that on the last play there with uh, Kane in in the Nugent Hopkins role. But it's really, it's a puck going up ice. Yamamoto creates a turnover, gets the puck to high danger, and they score. And that's what you need from him. He's been getting first line minutes and not been delivering. He he doesn't quite have the shot, but he's even still, he's not getting it off as much. So if you want him to play that role, that role has to be a forechecking role. It has to be defensive conscious. Right. And if he's going to create those turnovers in the offensive zone, that's that's what he needs to do to stick there. Now, uh, I've been one of the guys saying Pugliarvi is a better fit on that line, but that's because that's what he does. He goes on the boards, he turns the puck over and he gets it to McDavid. People say, you know, he's not confident with the puck. McDavid doesn't want it pass to him. You know, I think that's hearsay. But even if that's true if I have Jesse Pugliarvi and Connor McDavid on the ice, which one do you think I want having the puck? It's Connor McDavid. So if if, you're, if there's a guy whose job it is to just get him the puck and then create space for him and, you know, get some rebounds, that's great. And that's a guy, and that's what I think, a perfect role for Jesse Pugliarvi. And I think people think they try to grade him on a play as a player that he's not, a goal scorer. He's not. He doesn't have to finish, um, but he does a lot of good away from the puck. And I think Yamamoto's kind of gotten away from that, and that goal was a prime example of what he can do and what he needs to keep doing on that line.
0: No, exactly. I totally agree, Mike, because there were a few games earlier this when the season started back at home in which I was watching Kyler on that line, and he was quiet. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't chewing the puck. Wouldn't even give him the puck on that first line. I, I agree. He's got to do more of those things to remain on that first line. And I agree again with Yessi. Yessi's job is... If he's in the top six, it is not to score goals. It is to get the puck to Dry and to uh, Carter when he's on, on that top line. Like I saw last year, there were a couple of games last year where I saw perfectly the puck. You guys are trying to clear the puck. game against Nashville. They're trying to clear the puck. Yes, he goes to the board's heart, gets the puck back, gets to the front of the net for Dry Sidle and McDavid. And it's things he does over and over again that if you watch the game, you notice he excels at. But some people say he doesn't do well, which is not good. Well,
1: because- it's, it's, it's watching too much of the puck, right? If you're only, only watching the puck and you're watching the players who make plays with the puck, mm-hmm. he's not going to look great to you because, you know, he doesn't have a lot of confidence and he's not doing, you know, he's not making, uh, he's not shooting the puck well. But if you watch away from the puck, mm-hmm. and, and he does, but I guess, you know, even last night on that goal he scored, he went and made a great pass to Warren Fogle to break out of the zone. Fogo went in, dropped the pass to Nurse, and poliarvi was there in the slot to tip it away. Yes. Like that's perfect. Um, so I, I just don't, you know, there's a big divide with with Oilers fans and whether you're pro or or against Pulleyarby. It's it's really weird because he's a really good player, he's a really useful player, uh, and does a job on this team that other players don't. Um, no, exactly. I think it's important to have that guy to keep him. It you know, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a long term fit, but that's unfortunate because. Uh, I think he does what people think Yamamoto does uh, a lot better, and I'm a big Yamamoto guy too. But he, he, they're they're both struggled um, at the start of the season to really uh, produce, and it was good to see going back to the first point Yamamoto uh, playing like that at uh, the end the game.
0: No, exactly, and I feel like there is value to both these guys on the roster. They both bring skills they're valuable on this roster, and even yesi like watching it. I mean, remember, Yessie's a big boy; he's a six foot three, six foot four guy. He goes to the net. He is valuable, like you saw, getting tipped, being in front of the net. So that's a valuable space,
1: right? If you back yeah. into a D-Man, you give Connor McDavid an extra five uh, five feet of space. That's all he needs.
0: Yeah, it really is. It really is. And my Mike, before we wrap things up here, Edmonton will finish a road trip on, on Saturday. Yes. Saturday night, taking on the Calgary Flames in Calgary. That name looked you? good, eh? Hey? Right? Oh, what do you thought was in that game on the road trip here, Mike, against Calgary?
1: Yeah. You know, it's pretty exciting it's another test you know they they they've had a weird start to the year where you know a lot of years recently they've come out of barn burners and uh you know on big winning streaks to start this year wasn't one of them they're five and three now which is fine i think they're playing good hockey i think it's a good test against you know a a really good flames team that have beaten a lot of really good opponents um so you know it it sucks that there was only three Battle of Alberta games scheduled this year. It makes no sense, and to have two of them already done, uh, going into November is 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 even weirder. But I think it's going to be a great hockey game, um, and a, and a great test for a team that's looking to keep building game by game as they're trying to become contenders.
0: No, of course, and watching Calgary play, even the, even the game against um, Edmonton back at home, someone who I knew was going to be a good fit in Calgary was Nazem Kadri. He is someone who's putting up the points early, like he. Nazem Kadri, Huberto uh Weger, are Brach living looked very very smart after a summer that could have been a disaster for him.
1: Yeah, Nazem Kadri rules, you know. He he's a guy, you know, not on the side of 30 that you want to be for a guy who just got a big contract, but for right now he's delivering and when you sign those kind of deals, you're looking short term more than more than long term <laughs> uh to keep your cup contender window open. And you know, I thought going into the year that they would take a, a bit of a step back. I think Goudreau and Kachuk are a bit better uh, players than Huberto and Kadri are, but adding Mackenzie Wiegart, he's a stud um, and just, you know, they played really good hockey all year last year um, and, and wasn't, you know, much of an inclination that that was going to change. Um, and, and those are still two really good players. So I, you know, I obviously uh, I'm not a big flames lover, but Nazem Kadri, great hockey player, fun to watch. And, and I'm glad he's having success.
0: No, as am I. Great guy to watch. Great, great great person. Great player. Love seeing him do well down in Calgary. Anyways, we're gonna wrap things up here on Game Over Edmonton. Mike, thank you for doing the show. Gotta get you back Dread on again me. sometime. Appreciate it. Anyways, I am Avery Lewis McDougal. Watch the and recap. I'm <laughs> watch the replay on YouTube and listen to the podcast. Anyways, we are out. Stay safe. Good night. Get your sleep. Eight hours. Later.